0: Well good morning. Glad to be here today and glad to have you here today. I know last Sunday we had about six hundred people in our service. This is a little slider than that today, but I hope you're glad to be here. We're going to talk about uh lesson I've titled, What Is That in Your Hand? And that comes from a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Moses that you've all heard of and there was a point in his life that the Bible says when he was about 40 years old that he was a mighty man in word and in deed. Do you know what that means? He was mighty in word and in deed. Have you ever known anyone who was mighty in word and deed? Words are the things they say and deeds are the things they do. I mean, he was just a, a leader of men. I mean, he was impressive. He was a guy that you would you would think of as, as a guy who's going to lead. And he thought of himself that way. He was going to lead God's people. And he was going to lead them out of wilderness or out of Egypt into this promised land. But we know, if we're familiar with the story, that this story of his life took a real bad turn one day we saw some guys fighting and well before he saw the guys fighting he saw someone mistreating a slave and he stepped in and you know he was mighty and word and deed he didn't just talk it he stepped in and he tried to stop what was going on and ended up in a struggle and a fight with this guy who was mistreating the slave and ended up killing the guy i mean murder killed him he was a i mean he was a man of action But he had to end up fleeing from Egypt because of that. He goes out and lives in the desert. And he lives in the desert for 40 years. Meets a woman, marries her, and just works for her dad for 40 years. And at the end of that 40 years, now he's 80. And he's not a mighty man in word and in deed anymore. He's just a sheep herder, an 80-year-old sheep herder. And one day he's out and he sees this fire up on the mountain and you probably are familiar with the story about how he goes up and he looks at this fire because it's a bush that's burning and burning and won't burn up. And he looks at it and God speaks to him and he says, Moses, you're standing on holy ground, take off your shoes. So he takes off his shoes and then God proceeds to tell him that he's going to send this 80 year old shepherd back to Egypt to lead these people out of bondage. And I think about that and I go you know, 40 years ago Lord, that would have been a really good time. I was there, I had the political connections, I was the guy but now, and Moses' excuse is this, he said I'm not a Great speaker, I'm I'm not I mean I don't have anything special to give now. I'm just an old man from the desert. And he's standing there holding his staff. You can see his staff in the picture that he's standing there holding his rod or his staff that he used to climb around in the mountain and to guide the sheep around with. And God says to him, He says, Moses, what's in your hand? with just a stick, Lord, just a rod. He said, throw it down. If God told you to throw down the stick you were holding, would you throw it down? Yeah, he threw it down. And miraculously, it turned into a snake. Now, can you imagine throwing down a snake? dick and it turning into a snake. Yesterday we had my mom's 80th birthday party and we were uh, up in Oklahoma and Holland comes running up at me like this and she had a little rubber snake and she was trying to scare me with the rubber snake. Moses, when that happened, turned around and ran away. He ran to get away and God calls him back and he comes back and he says, Moses, reach down there and pick up that snake. That'd be pretty easy if God says throw down a stick to do that, right? But when God says reach down and grab a snake, whew, that would take some faith, wouldn't it? But he did, and when he did, it turned back into a stick. What did Moses have in his hand? Just a stick. But as you go ahead and read through the story of Moses over and over and over, he uses that staff to do amazing, miraculous things. He touched the waters in Egypt and they turned into blood. Remember when they were coming out, he held that rod up over the Red Sea and the wind blew and the Red Seas just parted and it was dry land and Israel crossed We find that he did amazing. And often, when it talks about that stick, after that point, it calls it the rod or the staff of the Lord. Because Moses did amazing things for God with that staff, okay? So what I want to talk with you about a little bit this morning is that idea. What do you have in your hand to give God? Okay? Last week we had the Brotherhood meeting. We had 1,200 people there, whatever it was. We had some guys who had known for a year what they were going to speak on. And they had prepared those sermons and they would worked hard. And every one of them are very gifted, very talented, very capable teachers. And they did an outstanding job. Right? I, I thought the teaching was excellent. If you didn't get to hear it, it will be on YouTube when it comes comes around. But, you know, not all of us have the talent or the opportunity to stand in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and preach some powerful sermon. Not everyone has that. But everyone has something in our hand that we can use for God. In the New Testament, Paul talks about this in First Corinthians chapter 12, First Corinthians 12, we read this. First, the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being mem- many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, let's stop right there. He says, your body has a lot of different members... But they're all a part of the same body. So this finger is part of the same body that that toe I'm wiggling in my shoe is and that this brain is and that my cardiovascular system is. They're all parts of the same body. Right? And he says, So also is Christ. What does that mean? It means Christians... Are just like a physical body. That we're all different parts, different pieces. He goes ahead and says, For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one many or one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, Because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? So he says, that this body has all these different parts and every part of it, every piece is valuable. Every piece has value to the body. It adds value. What's the least important part of your body? You might say, well, my hair, I guess, or my fingernails, i clip those off. But the living part, what's the least important? Is your, maybe your big toe, maybe a little toe, Would you want to give up any of them? Not unless it's diseased, right? (laughs) If it's diseased, you might want to get rid of it to save your life. But if it's not diseased, if it's a healthy part of your body functioning the way it should, you don't want to get rid of that. You don't want to lose that. Because every piece of the body is important. And Paul's argument here is this. Every one of you. The foot doesn't say, Well, I'm not a hand, so I'm not important. I'm going to quit working. I mean, if that happens, you're going to end up in the hospital, right? Trying to figure out why your hand or your foot won't work. Now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members which seem to be weaker are necessary. So what he says here is this. The eye can't go, you useless foot. What are you doing? You can't see anything. My goodness. What value do you bring to the body? And he says the church is the same way. You look around and you see the members of the church here and everyone has something that they can bring to the table. Everyone from the strongest to the weakest, from the oldest to the youngest, everyone has something that they can bring to the table. Now we saw this illustrated very well with our preparations for the Brotherhood meeting. Okay, we had a meeting and we assigned people to be over certain tasks and responsibilities, and then I was gone all summer. I traveled all summer, and guess what? Everything got done. I mean, everything got, why? Well, because people took care of stuff, right? We all stepped up. Even the young ones stepped up and had some value. Now he says here, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So his parallel is just like your physical body has all these different parts and they're all valuable. The spiritual body, the body of Christ is the same way. Now you may look at yourself and you may think about your life and the things you can do and your talents and you may go, you know, I haven't been a Christian very long. What can I do? Or, you know, I'm not, I'm a woman. I can't preach in the church. What can I do? Or, I'm old, you know. What can I do? But there are valuable things that we can all do. The Bible talks to us about a woman who, as far as we know, did one particular thing, but it was so impactful that many, many people gathered around when she passed away. Look at this. It's in the book of Acts. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. The disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him imploring him not to delay in coming to them. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. So here you've got this lady in the church and she gets sick, and there's such a concern that they find out Peter's in there, and they say, Peter, come quick. And so Peter comes, and when he gets there, there's all these widows, and they're all weeping, and they're standing around showing him, look at the good deeds she did. Look at what she made me. Look at what she did for me. Now, is there any spiritual significance to sowing any spiritual value to that at all? I mean, it's sewing, right? What's the value? Well, the value was that she had an ability, she had a skill or a talent that she could use to spread the gospel or to spread the love of Jesus Christ to people who needed that. Do you ever have that opportunity? You ever have something you could do that maybe it's not a big thing? You know, the reality is when you do something for God, it doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how important it is. It has meaning and value. Number one, it has meaning and value if you do it for Jesus and His cause. It's one thing to sow. It's something else to sow for Jesus Christ and to help people because... You have the love of God and you want to share the love of Christ with them. Secondly, don't make pride, don't let pride make you want to do the biggest and the best. I can remember when I was growing up, uh, even a young guy in the church, uh, the Fleming family, some of you know the Fleming family. Those guys can sing. I mean, they they are amazing. The whole family, all of them, in fact, I think the, one of the younger ones now has, a, has a, like a TikTok or Instagram channel that has like a million followers by singing. I mean, they're just crazy good singers. And I can remember thinking, man, I wish I could sing like they can. I wish I could sing as good... I can remember watching, going to church services and hearing Truman Teal preach or Sam Potter, some of these guys that I knew when I was young. Some of you maybe remember them. Man, I tell you what, Truman could just make you feel like you were standing right there in the Scriptures. Just his ability to... And I can remember thinking, man, I wish I could preach like that. The stories told about a little man and a big man and the little man said to the big man he said big man if I was as big as you I'd go out in those woods and I'd find the biggest meanest grizzly bear and I'd just wrestle him to the ground and the big man looked at him and he said little man there's lots of little bears in them woods you don't have to do the greatest thing you don't have to do the best thing you don't have to do the biggest thing You just have to do your thing. You have to do what you can do. You can touch someone. You can affect someone. You know what God wants from you is He wants the first, the best, and a reasonable part from you. He doesn't need us all to be world-renowned prayer warriors that go lead conferences. He doesn't need that from us. What He needs from us is us to be faithful in what we do. Do you remember the, the parable of the talents? We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But the idea behind that was at the end, he told the guy who had taken five talents and got five more and two talents and got two more, he said, you've been faithful in what's little, so I'm going to give you more. What God calls you... And I to do is to be faithful in what we can do. We don't have to be what everyone else is, but what we have to do is be faithful. So, what is it that's in your hand? Yancey prayed this morning that the sermon would be practical and something we can take and use. And I want to spend just a few minutes with you talking about some practical things. One, what if you're a young person? What can a young person, what does a young person have? I mean, when you're young, what do you have in your hand that you can use for God? Well, young people a lot of times have zeal. They've got excitement, right? I mean, us old folks are kind of sitting here going, ah, we're waiting for another day. And young people are, oh, let's go do this. Let's go. They've got lots of zeal. They've got lots of energy and strength. Use that for God. I mean, there's nothing wrong with using your zeal and energy and strength to go skiing in the winter. As long as you're using your zeal and energy and strength for God, use that for Him. Help Him. Well, what can you do with your zeal and your energy and strength? The one thing that as I've gotten older, I've learned is that growth in a church comes from youth and stability comes from age. You need both. You gotta have that youth where there's energy and excitement and zeal and willingness to reach out and not be cynical and go, yeah, I've done that before and it didn't work. And you know, the way people get sometimes when they get old. We gotta have use that zeal, that youth, that energy for God. Number one, you can use that by listening and learning. The fact that you have zeal and excitement and energy sometimes you need to settle down. You need to. You need to think. You need to use that energy in a thoughtful and wise way. Yesterday, when we were up at my mom's for the 80th birthday party. Um, We had one of the things that we did for mom is everybody brought plants and stuff, and she wanted a big flower bed. So we we dug it all out and got all the roots of the weeds and the grass out, and we put down mulch and, you know, planted all these things. And after we were done, there was this T-post stuck in the ground that had been there for a tree, and we were trying to get that T-post out. So we said, well, let's pull this out. T-post can really get stuck in the crowd. I mean stuck hard. And so we were talking about how to get it down, and mom and dad have this tractor and it's got this bucket on the front of it. It's not a great big one, it's a small one. And Jacob goes, I'll jump in that and pull it out, you know, and he's and there's a chain. I remember the excitement, zeal of wanting to do play with a big machine like that and all. But I also remember Knowing about someone who was pulling on something with a chain and a tractor, and the chain broke and went right through the cab and killed that guy. My son doesn't have that, that experience. Now, he's got some experiences, but that's not one of them. And he needed the wisdom of someone who was a little bit older and had some experience in life to go, you know, that's not a good idea to do that because if that chain slips or if it breaks you're going to have a mouth full of chain if you live it's not going to be a good thing you see young people it's great to have excitement and value of the energy that you bring and bring that we need that but be willing to listen number two be active but also be patient one thing that comes with youth and excitement and zeal is impatience. You know? We want it and we want it done now, and we don't want to have to wait for it. And But you need to learn patience. Temper your zeal and your excitement. Things don't change overnight, especially if you're trying to move a bunch of old people to do something different. <laughs> Things just don't change overnight. And that's why the stability comes from the age because stuff doesn't change overnight. It takes time. Be patient. But don't let the fact that things don't change immediately discourage you and make you go, oh, I have no use in doing anything around here. Nobody wants to do anything. Don't get discouraged by that. Somebody said, well, that's great for young people, but I'm not young. Well, old people. Okay. What do old people have? What's in the hand of an older person? Well, one, you've got experience. You've got experience from the life that you've lived, the things that you've seen. One of the reasons it's hard, young people, to get old people to move is because they've moved and they've fallen and they've gotten hurt and they know what happens and they know that... Change just for the sake of change isn't always good. I remember years ago, um, man, I can't remember the name of the coach, but Texas A and M had a coach that uh, in football that was not doing that great, and they were playing Oklahoma and they had a a big lead and Oklahoma brought it back. And I mean, like right at the end of the game, the guy throws a pass and Oklahoma intercepts it and runs in and scores and beats Texas A and M and. And we had a guy here at the time that was a huge A&M fan, although I know we've still got a few of those around here. But I told him, I said, bet you're ready to get a new coach now. And he said, only if we can get someone better. <laughs> That's right. You've got experience. Don't just think you're irrelevant. You've seen things. You've seen challenges in life. You've seen problems. You've seen successes. You've seen, you've got so many experiences. Those experiences bring great value to the church. Can you imagine if you just had a church full of young people? I mean, it would accept almost anything. You've had years to study and learn God's Word. Bring those experiences. Number two, you've got time. Much more so as you get older, you have time. Carrie and I are really, really busy people, and I know a lot of you are very busy people. But as you get older, we're not busy the same way we were when we had a house full of four kids, and all of them in sports and activities and school, and we were busy in a different way back then. Some of you who are young and have a family like that, you know, you feel like your hair's on fire all the time, but... As you get older you've got more time. You can use that time in a lot of ways. You can use that time just to so you've got many goods laid up for many years, build a bigger barn and rest and take your ease and you can use that time for self indulgence. You can use that time just to rest and sleep. We were, Carrie and I were talking last night some, and we were talking about someone that we know that lives in our neighborhood. She's a good lady. But her kids are grown up and gone. It doesn't matter 20 hours a day if you go over to her house, she's sitting in her chair reading a book. It's just all she does with her life, with her time. She's got lots of time. But what she use it for? Use your time for godly, valuable things. Look for opportunities. You'll have opportunities and chances to use your time for the kingdom of God. So do that. There are things you, you can call people, that maybe younger people who are real, real busy and got lots of stuff going on, don't have time to do. You can send a card. Listen, I know that's old-fashioned, and I know it's 66 cents or whatever it is to mail a card nowadays, but... Just getting a personal handwritten card from someone that says, hey, thank you for what you did. I noticed it. I appreciated it. Those things are very encouraging to people. There are many, many things that time can give you an opportunity to. Men, what do men have that they can give to the church? Men, well, one thing is you can provide the ability. You have the ability to lead in the church. The Bible specifically says that's reserved to men to lead in the church, okay? Do you aspire to do that? we got to have leaders. Now, we've got elders here in the congregation. This church went for many, many years with no elders, okay? But now that we have elders, we have some stability and some leadership and some direction. There's great, great value in that, and then do you have a family that you can lead to righteousness, that you can lead to godliness, that you can lead so that they are a blessing wherever they go, whatever they do in the future? I look out at the congregation here as I'm preaching, and I see Corey sitting there with his son in his lap and his daughter right next to him. He's got a family. What a what a blessing to have in your hands that you can use for the kingdom of God to raise up a generation of people who are strong in the Lord. You've got a great blessing so that... So discover what your strengths are as a man and use those to lead. Are you a good song We've got... Isn't it great to have Trevor around for singing? That's really helped our singer because that's what he's good at. Okay? Everybody's not good at everything, but Trevor's really good at singing, so it's really helpful. Okay? Kent is good at taking numbers and making numbers make sense and all, or printing our bulletin. He does that. All of you do things that bring value to the church. Me and look for your strengths and use those. Look for opportunities to engage and use and develop those. We have a, a monthly study for... Young men who want to lead, I say young men, men who want to lead, who aren't necessarily leading, that's an opportunity. Some of you guys, I know Ryan and Zach always try to come to that and be a part of that, to develop those leadership abilities. Wives or mothers, what do you have? Well, you've got a husband, if you're a wife, and you've got children. What a gift to have in your hands. Now, if you're older, it may be grandchildren you have in your hands. But what do you have in your hands? You've got children that you can... You know, mothers, you are the greatest influence on your children's lives, period, while they're young. Use that time. Teach them to love God. Teach them to serve. Teach them to encourage and support their husbands. You got a husband? Encourage him. I know he's a knucklehead, but don't beat him down all the time. Don't criticize everything he does, but encourage him. Lift him up. Help him do better. You can do that, and it can make a difference. Encourage him. Train your children. From the time they're very young, train them to be servants. Train them to... We are so proud... I'm so proud of my daughters as they've gone off to different congregations and, and they make a difference by serving. And they help and they're always cooking for somebody or keeping someone's kids. or doing, You know why they do that stuff? Because they had a mama that taught them to do that stuff. That's the reason. They not do this stuff because of me. They do that stuff because a mama who had children in her hand used what she had in her hand For the Lord. You might say, well, I don't fit any of those categories. I'm certainly not old and I'm not this or that. Well, you know, there's a lot of things that we all can do. Entertaining. Do you like to entertain? You like to go out to eat with people? Or, you know, that's awesome. Do that for the kingdom of God. Involve people in your life for the kingdom of God. Build relationships with people for the kingdom of God so you can bring them to the feet of Jesus. That's the way most people really come to Jesus anyway. It's through knowing someone that Jesus lives in and having a relationship with that. You have some practical skills. Something you can bring to the table in a practical way. You know, I mentioned can't take in the carry the books and print the bullets and there's lots of things that the church I can I think many times fondly about the times that I would come up here and Doyle would be in here and working on some mechanical fixing the door or, or something you know Doyle had skills that he used for the kingdom of God as he had the ability to do that what skills do you have what abilities do you have have you thought of that Think about it just for a second. Do you have some skill that you could use for the kingdom of God? Maybe you don't. (laughs) Everyone has some skill. Maybe you've got money. You got some money? I tell you, I used to think about this. and I used to think, well, you know, some people have money, and then there's those poor folks like us. You know, we're not poor folks. If you've ever been to Nigeria or somewhere like that, you know what poor folks are. None of us are poor folks. We got money. You know, it takes money for the kingdom of God. It takes money to spread the kingdom of God. It takes money to do the things that God wants us to do in His kingdom. To support evangelism and meetings and things like that. Use whatever is in your hand for the kingdom of God. I told you we'd talk about the parable of the talents. In that parable, you had one guy that had five, one guy that had two, and one guy that had one. And the difference was in the final assessment by the master. The difference was two of them used what they had and one of them didn't. One of them went and buried his talent in the sand. Okay? And so what I want to say to you, what I want to encourage you to do is we've talked about this, what do you have in your hand? I want to encourage you, think about what you've got. Do you have children? Do you have time? Do you have money? Do you have a skill? Whatever that is, think about what God has given you, what you've got in your hand that you can use for Him. And then turn it into... Moses' staff became the staff of the Lord. Turn it to the children of the Lord, the time of the Lord, the skill of the Lord. Whatever that is, turn that ability that you have into something you use for God. God. You use for the kingdom of God. What can you say you've done for Jesus? Can anyone look at you and say, you know what, because of you I'm a Christian? I hope so. That's, the, that's a great goal to have, to bring someone to Jesus. What is that in your hand and will you use it? You know it's up to you. Now there's a weird looking picture up there. I don't know if you can figure it out look like cookies to you. That's not cookies. There's an old story about a guy who always went to visit his grandma and she made the best biscuits in the world. She made wonderful biscuits and he got up one morning and he loved biscuits and gravy at grandma's house. And he got up one morning and got to the table and Grandma pulls these old flat, mashed down biscuits out of the oven and she puts them on the table. He says, Grandma, what's wrong with your biscuits? And she says, well, I put them in the oven and they squatted down ready to rise and I guess they just got cooked in a squat. Don't get cooked in a squat. Don't get ready to do something. Don't leave here today and go, You know what? I do have something I can give the kingdom of God. And then not do it. Do what you can for the kingdom of God. Even start where you're at. doesn't have to be big. So think about what you can bring to the table, what you can do for the kingdom of God. Regardless of your circumstance, you can do something. And then resolve to do it and then actually begin. Don't get cooked in a squat, but get out there and do something for the kingdom of God. I hope you've been encouraged this morning. If you have a spiritual need, we always offer an invitation for an opportunity for you to bring that need before the kingdom of God, before the church, and we'll pray with you or baptize you into Christ, whatever you would need today. But my primary encouragement to you is to think about what you can do And then set about this week to do that no matter where you are or what your circumstance is. Please stand and sing now.